It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle of an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that perhaps doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. As always, Ryan Adams bringing us into 2023, talking about living on the corner of Avenue A. And we have some surprises ready for you for 2023. I won't tell you what they are. They're, they wouldn't be surprises, but we're going to have a, a good year, God willing. Today is a fun day for me. Jordan has a an away game up in Mamaroneck. I don't know much from Mamaroneck, but I'm going to, from here, after I join Curtis for left versus right at 3 o'clock, I'm going to go get Metro North. I love I love me some good... Mass Transit. I'm not a Metro North guy. I'm going to hop on Metro North and see if that works. And uh, if you are following us, you can do it any number of ways. You could always just get all the old-fashioned terrestrial radio. Or you can follow us on WABCRadio.com. That's where you can stream. We also have an app, the ABC Radio app, which you can get all of our podcasts on. You can hear this and every other program. You can even set it up so when you open the app, it automatically starts playing the station, which is handy. And if you want to be part of this show, you are the lifeblood of this and every other radio show at Talk Radio 77 WABC, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. Ryan, Joe, Kevin helping you out today. So um, this was, as I said, an exciting first week. I started out the week filling in for Bo Snerdley on Monday when we celebrated New Year's and then um, – we have, you know, a lot of activity going on this week. Once again, we're lucky because a lot of activity going on in the realm of, of politics. Um, I did my podcast this week. I think it's episode 11 of The Middle Unplugged. Took a, a look at the January 6th report and some of the testimonies that came out. Try to highlight some of the interesting things that I found that maybe weren't as obvious in some of the reporting. I'll give you one little nugget. Um, this was in the report. It turned out that, you know, when the senators fled the, the floor, they were brought to a, uh, to a safe place, but apparently they were all brought to the same safe place. At one point, there were 87 senators in one room. Our entire United States Senate virtually was in one room. That's not a great strategy, and hopefully they'll address that. But a lot of interesting things in there, some perhaps not as obvious, and I devote my podcast to that. The middle unplug is, it's a little bit like this program, but, um, comes out on Wednesday, so you could uh, go take a look at that or any of the other podcasts we have here. So, you know, I'll just jump right into it. For Super obvious number of the week this week is 15. 
15 ballots to the Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House, Jeremy, who's the happiest person that this thing dragged on? That's right, George Santos. He was bumped to, like, a minor story. Oh, by the way, one other thing we didn't know about George Santos, apparently he's a white nationalist jerk. He was When he was sworn in, as he's taking the oath to the United States of America and to the Constitution, he's making the white power sign. Just lovely man. Lovely man. But I loved this. The television coverage of the speaker's race was just amazing because it wasn't the not the talking heads because they really didn't know and they were just repeating themselves over and over again. And the the problem was there's no such thing as an expert in something that happens once every 160 years. So I don't care who is talking. Not that part. But um, just to give you some kind of without a speaker, when there's no speaker, there's really no House of Representatives yet. You've probably heard that repeated a couple of times this week. Um, because without a speaker, no one gets to be sworn in. Because as you, if you stay the plate, the speaker is the first thing. First thing is you've got to elect a speaker because then the speaker then uh, swears in the uh, the members. And it's not really the House of Representatives yet because until the speaker is sworn in, the first thing they do is a resolution that is the rules of how they're going to proceed. Um, and so without those rules, there are a lot of things that hadn't been decided yet. And by the way, I, I've heard a couple of callers call in about this. Um, it's not rules, Robert's Rules of Order. It's something called Jefferson's Manual of Parliamentary Practice. And there's a book of precedents, like how it's going to be enforced, Cadden's precedents. Now, all of that talks about when the Congress is in session and when they're actually meeting. There are some precedents about what you watched yesterday, but no one is really in charge yet. No one can give orders yet. No one can enforce anything yet. So, and and the reason that you need a set of rules is, think about it, you've got 435 members of Congress. Like, you need you need to, to figure out how you're going to do basic things. Like, who gets to decide to speak for how long and when? <laughs> That's in the rules. Um... And other little things, you know, can you wear a funny hat on the floor of Congress? No, you can't. Um, are you allowed to eat popcorn on the floor of Congress? No, you can't. <laughs> can you talk on your phone? Can you call Donald Trump on your phone from the floor of Congress? No, these are all rules. But, like I said, until the Speaker is sworn in, all of those rules haven't taken, theoretically haven't taken effect yet. It's not like the 117th Congress leaves their rules intact. No, that's not the way it works. Everyone starts fresh. So when it comes to the TV show, the C-SPAN part of it, the video part of it that we get to see, that is in the rules that says the speaker gets to control those images, meaning he has literally a staffer who says you're going to shoot what things you're going to shoot and what things that you're not. And so without that, you had some amazing, you basically had the camera operators and producers at C-SPAN or whatever else that are in the house gallery deciding what they wanted to shoot, and they shot some really interesting things, interesting conversations, people acting silly, people gesturing wildly, it, you know, trying to read people's lips. They can decide, okay, this particular member, we're really interested in, we're going to stay on him for like 10 minutes straight. I mean, it was just really great for that reason. little funny side story on that. A guy named Newt Gingrich, we all know him. Um, there was a part of the, the, there still is a part of the 
of the day on the House floor called extensions of remarks, meaning that it was a time that you can go down for five minutes and sometimes a whole hour. You book the hour in advance, and you can go down and you talk, and you stand and you've got your charts, and sometimes other people come down and help you out with it. But Newt Gingrich was in this habit of acting as if the chamber was full when it's completely empty during extensions of the rules. You're basically not talking to anyone. And he would do this thing where he would say, and does anyone here disagree when I say these terrible things about Democrats? And, the, and the, you know, no one ever said anything. And he'd like make as if he's persuaded this whole thing. So Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House at the time. And he called down, he's furious. He called down, he says, I want you to pan the audio, the, the, the chamber the next time that happens. And um, he did embarrass Newt Gingrich. He got in trouble for that. The speaker got censored for that because there was something in the rules about how the video stream should be used, and he got in trouble for that. Now, since then, they've changed it, so every once in a while they do pan and everything else. But the point is, until you have the rules, nothing would happen. We didn't have a, we didn't have a House of Representatives for a few days. Is it the end of the world? No, but it, didn't, it wasn't a great look. We had no third in line of succession. I guess it would have gone to the fourth. Um, was it all that bad? Or good depends upon what you want your Congress to be. I mean, it's really, it depends on your perspective. What is your ambition for your your representatives? But I do want to make a couple of notes. You know, just, again, trying to find anything. If you, if you all have been not following it, this might be, you know, interesting to you. Some of you might have already occurred. Some of these things might have come to you already. One of the things that that Kevin McCarthy and some of his supporters kept saying was that celebrating this 14, 15, you know, rejections by his own caucus as like, okay, this is what democracy is. This is how democracy looks, warts and all. It's not supposed to be easy. No, that's wrong. This is not the democracy part. The democracy part is me electing my congressman, but parties or bodies choosing their leaders is not democracy. That's organization. That's management. That's getting stuff done. Um, you know, there's a reason this has, this has always been a one ballot pro forma thing for, you know, for 150 years or whatever it was, whatever record got broken. You know, let's keep in mind the, the Republicans won the House, what, two months ago now. They've had plenty of time to do this and battles for leader happen all the time. Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi, let's see, off the top of my head, just while I was around there, Harold Ford challenged her of Tennessee. Tim Ryan of Ohio, you remember his name, he ran for Senate this year. Kathleen Rice of Long Island challenged her. Challenges happen all the time. I think, in fact, that when Nancy Pelosi first ran for Democratic leader, I think she won by two votes or something over Steny Hoyer of Maryland. So, like, this idea, oh, my God, this is such an unprecedented this or unprecedented that. Um Leaders are chosen by the members of the party, and then they go to the floor and ratify them. That happens all the time. It's pro forma. So to say, oh, this is democracy in action, no. The the democracy part is when we vote. We didn't get a chance to – we don't vote for speaker. That's not the democracy part. That's the organization and management of the body part. And And never in over a century has a significant faction gone to the floor to stop its own caucus, its own team's choice. That was, this is big news. It's not normal. It's not like, oh my God, that's happened. That happens all the time. It's just, you know, we're just showing this is democracy warts at all. 
And, you know, I heard a couple of commentators, oh, but they've never had such a narrow margin before. Oh, you have to go back really far to find a margin this narrow. To the last Congress. Nancy had almost the exact same margin. So if you're saying that this is democracy in action, all right, that's trying to put a shine on it. Um, no, if, if this was democracy, then you and I would have a vote. We'd, have, we'd be able to kind of, you know, dial in somehow. Um, so it doesn't matter. Look, it depends on what you're after. If you want to get, if you believe that you want to get legislate, you want your legislators to go to Congress to legislate, to get things done, then yes, it matters. If your opponents are unified, let's assume you're a Republican. If your opponents are unified and you are not, and the margins are basically 51-50 or 50-50, then you're simply not going to get anything done. I mean, the, the, you know, being organized is and being unified is the way you get things done. Um, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Now, if you are just in it for the politics, if you just want who's up and who's down, who's going to win the next election, yeah, I guess it kind of matters. If you're a Democrat, you're like, this is great. <laughs> They're disorganized. They're not going, to be able to not be able to get things done. If you are someone, I mean, I mean, but if you think that you got you want to get things done with this Congress, you're not. By the way, you know who figured this part out already uh, a couple of weeks ago? Republicans in the Senate figured this out, did you, that the House is not going to be able to get anything done. Now, I made a bad prediction last week. I thought Steve I, – I, I knew, I knew Kevin, Kevin um, – that Kevin McCarthy would have trouble. I thought Steve Scalise would emerge. That was wrong. But you know whose prediction was really right? Mitch McConnell. When he and 13 senators got together with the Democrats and passed that long spending bill to the end of the year, and he said one of the reasons he did it, he, he didn't think that the House was going to be able to ever get together on a spending bill. He was right. Look at it. I mean, let's face it. He was right. The 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 easiest vote to get on board with is the speaker's vote. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about someone who came on the air this morning and took a run at me. And I have something to say about it. And when we have uh, on left versus right with Curtis Leo, Curtis is going to make some news. He has got to be in his bond about something. He's been bouncing off the walls here in the studio. Stay tuned for that because Curtis, even at neutral, is pretty fired up. But today... He is extra amped. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. And welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Rockpile bringing us back in with Hart. And we're talking a little bit about the heart stopping activities on the House floor. I loved all that stuff. I mean, look, I'm a bit of a nerd. I don't watch a lot of C-SPAN anymore. I didn't know, I didn't recognize a lot of those members of the sign. I haven't been there in a while since 2011. Um, if you'd like to get in on this conversation, we'd love to have you as part of it. 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. We've got Joe and Ryan helping us out. And as I said, at 3 o'clock at left versus right, Curtis Slewa will be 
uh, coming in here, and we'll have a conversation about things going on in the city. But let me just finish a couple of quick points, and then I want to I, I want to get to the good news about yesterday. You know, just so you understand, the speaker vote is the easiest one to keep everyone on board because it's just saying you know we're unified in opposition to the other guys and just running because it's a, the 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 votes get harder from here on out. Um, you know, appropriation bills. Those are hard. People say, I want more money for this. I want, or there's too much money. Um, debt limit bills. Those are hard. These are bills that we racked up already and we just have to agree to pay. These are all of, all of us have T bills or something like that in our portfolios or, you know, we've, we, we're the, we, we pay so much less in our economy for everything because we are a, we're the reserve currency. Um, and bills that affect people's districts, you know, obviously get a lot of, a lot of emotion. And in, in all of these, no is the easiest vote. Now, on the speaker, it's actually a relatively easy. That's why, like I said, it's usually, usually an easy vote. Um, it, but if you want to stop government from functioning, if that's why you're in Washington, if you just think that, 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 you know, chaos is what you want because you think that everything is so bad and you just don't have any faith in the institution, then this week wasn't a bad one, right? If you just want to blow up your own party's ability to pass laws uh, or, or leave it as just the place that you, you hold dramatic hearings and press conferences, then then you had a good week. And I don't mean to – I mean, I don't, I'm not in that camp, and I think most people who would say that they're in the middle probably are in that camp, but some people are. And that brings me to this guy, Matt Gates. Never served with him, don't know him. I mean, just to be clear what he, he sees his role as. He has no intention of legislating in any way. He has plenty of chances to do that. He is not, and if he, if he wanted to, he wouldn't be antagonizing all the people that he needs to make laws, like the Speaker, like Chairman and everything else. He's basically an Internet troll, like he's someone who came to D.C., to get more followers and to be more famous. It's the easiest game to play when you're a member of Congress. Now, earlier today, Bo had some guy, Bo Snerdly, who was on from, I think, 7 to 10 in the morning. Also, he's on from 4 to 5 during the week. Great show. I filled in for him, uh, and it was a great honor to do so. One of my favorite shows that we, we have here. He mixes in some great music, and he and I don't agree on a lot of stuff. We're frequently confused with one another. That is true. But earlier today, he had some guy I hadn't heard of who took a run at me and compared me to Matt Gates. I view Matt Gates as our Anthony Weiner. And I'm not talking about Anthony Weiner's demise or any pictures or anything like that. He's a married man now, although in the past it wouldn't have obviously surprised me. You talk about how Ooh. connected I am. But Ooh. he is, he is, I know, but. Look, it's politics. It ain't beanbag. He is one of those people who was great on cable news. I'm not sure it'll be a while probably before he's back on cable news and gets back into the good graces of the the gods of cable news. But legislatively, Anthony Weiner had no accomplishments. If you wanted a bomb thrower, if you wanted somebody for ratings who's going to get your audience excited or angered or whatever, certainly wake them up. You booked Anthony Weiner on there. If you wanted somebody to speak seriously about policy, you didn't book Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner had no legislative accomplishments. Mike Gates is kind of that same way. It's stylistic, I suppose. You can be a doer or you can be a bomb thrower. 
Jim Jordan is one of those rare people who is kind of capable of being both. All right. That guy's name is Derek Hunter, apparently. A couple of, <laughs> a couple of things about this. Where do I start? First, I had to listen to the beginning three times, and I have no idea what his burn was. I mean, Bo is howling like it was the sickest burn he'd ever heard. Something like he's married now, but I wouldn't have been surprised. First of all, I'm, I'm not, he's got the story backwards. I'm not married now. Um, and he goes on to say, I'm not welcome on cable TV. My dude, I'm on, I'm on the radio, like right now talking to you on the radio. The cable TV guys, they're, they're our comp, they're our enemies. I don't like those guys. There are plenty of chances, but I don't want to go talk on MSNBC and be the 19th person saying the same stuff. Besides, I don't have the hair for it. And Bo, my man. And Diego, by the way, was behind the glass. He did nothing, and no one piped in for me. I literally did Bo's show for a week, for over a week. You know I'm on the radio. Straighten this knucklehead out. Uh, Derek Hunter. <laughs> I had to look up who that is. He writes for somebody or something. But actually, the substance of what he said I want to, I want to have a conversation about Matt Gates because I think it's, it's, it's relevant. And it's Anthony Weiner. You're listening to the middle 800-848-9222. First of all, let's clear up this record about me. Not that I need to defend myself, although <laughs> clearly I can't wait for Bo to do it. I passed the federal law to fund New York's DNA database. I was the sponsor of the cops program that got thousands of cops to New York City. I was the sponsor of the law that doubled the, the death benefit for families of, of firefighters who die in the line of duty. I was the, the, the sponsor of the law to ban black market tobacco sales. Where, 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 what, what more? Uh, I was the, the sponsor of the law to clean up Newtown Creek. I was the sponsor of the law that, that toughens high-rise building standards. I was the sponsor of the law that banned aid to Saudi Arabia. I was the sponsor of the law that uh, required the moving of the U.S. Embassy and update all State Department material to say that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. I mean, I can keep, I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff. I mean, not to be too defensive. And by the way, I did this this morning since I was, since no one else would. I I passed three times the amount of legislation as uh, Jim Jordan did. Okay. We're putting that aside. <laughs> putting that, putting aside my defensiveness about my record. But there's a very important difference in the way I function in the House of Representatives and the way Matt Gates does that made me effective and him a blowhard. And hear me out on this. I was a whip. I was part of the whip organization. I was an expert in the rules. As a matter of fact, I was frequently called upon by the, by the speaker to be the chair during uh, difficult proceedings, including I was in the chair when Obamacare passed. My colleagues did resent my ambition, but I was a soldier. Um, I would not do things to isolate my colleagues. I would not offer amendments to things that would box them in. I never once voted against, you know, in a leadership thing. I was a loyal guy. I was one of the people that went out and whipped votes for leadership. As a matter of fact, and I talked about this on my podcast, um, The Middle, The Middle Unplugged, I had an opportunity to offer an amendment to Obamacare to, 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 uh, to do Medicare for all Americans. My ambition, the thing I worked the hardest for when I was on the Energy and Commerce Committee. And when Nancy Pelosi came to me and said, listen, here are seven members of your colleagues for whom this vote would be very, very difficult for them, that it would really make make it very difficult for them back in their districts. That was enough to persuade me not to offer that amendment. 
So let's get back to Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and these other people. These people have no, they're not the kind of person that I was that, that, yeah, maybe they're good on television and I, and I'm, I'm actually much better on radio. I think everyone would agree with that. Ryan agrees with that for sure. But these people, Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they want a very weak speaker. They want to cause trouble. They want to cause chaos. They have no interest in legislating. When I needed to get money for New York City, I knew that I can go to members on both sides of the aisle and do a deal with them because I wasn't the kind of person that would isolate and embarrass them. So where does this bring us to the rest of the audience who are not people that want to tear the place down and are not partisan Democrats who just want to see everyone flop around and and to, and to, to have Biden win because the, the Congress looks incompetent, like Obama did it when he got reelected? Well, there's elements of this thing that make me optimistic about the middle in Congress in the coming session. And it's because of the Matt Gateses of the world, and I'll explain why. All of these demands that he was making, that Marjorie Taylor Greene and these other people were demanding, were basically changes to the rules that make it harder for moderates to do deals across the aisle and to make it harder. I mean, basically, they went in there and said, to heck with all the people that support um, McCarthy, the 90% that do. We're going to try to get everything we want. And frequently that meant to the more moderate, pragmatic members of the Republican caucus, they get less. So now you have a really close margin. You have the Republicans putting a whole bunch of people on the Rules Committee of the Freedom Caucus. Now they're going to try to pass some rules to codify these things. What if there are 10 or 15 or 20 members of the Republican caucus who are so furious at Matt Gates? So furious at what they did that they vote no on these rules. Or they go to the Democrats and say, listen, you're, you guys are in the minority party, but if you join together, let's try to do some, let's try to get some stuff done. It might look like it did in the Senate last year when they passed on a bipartisan basis the infrastructure bill, that tighten gun safety, expand health care for veterans, protected victims of sexual misconduct, overhaul the Postal Service. That was with the help of 13 senators in, in, in the Senate who just wanted to get things done. Maybe the good news is from all of this, the fringes might have had a couple of days in the sun, but maybe it's the middle that has the long-term benefit being able to get things done. That's my hope. That's my aspiration. When we get back, we got a lot of calls on the board. People are really fired up to talk about this. 800-848-9222. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner here till 3 o'clock. Then Curtis comes in for a fired up left versus right. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC.
And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Ryan bringing us back in with uh, Everyone Wants to Rule the World. Clever. I like it. I like it. We're taking calls, 800-848-9222. We're talking about the speaker's race, what it might mean coming up. We're talking about people that take runs at me when other hosts are on the air. By the way, you ever call into my show and you say anything mean about Bo Snurdly, you are going to be picking my microphone out from between your teeth. I'm a team player here. So let's go to the phones. Let's start us off today on the middle with Max in Manhattan. Max, so much for thank you so much for calling. Anthony, thank you for thank you for taking my call. Um, listen, perhaps when you're talking about January sixth, you can mention about uh, mention the individual who was running it or directing it by the name of Ray Epps. And it would also be good if you mentioned uh, who was shot innocently, Ashley Babbitt, by one of the policemen uh, at the Capitol. That's it? That's all you brought to the table? The fact that you didn't read the report? All right. Well, I appreciate you calling, Max. You waited online a long time to to, to say that. Uh, next, go to Robert in Manhattan. Okay, Robert, thank you for joining us on The Middle. Hey, Anthony Weiner. <laughs> oh, you are, I got to tell you, you are, you are a sane rock in an otherwise very turbulent age, as uh, Sherlock Holmes said about Dr. Watson. Let me, <laughs> let, let me say something. There was a moment last night when I felt soiled. I wanted to run out and get a whole two more boxes of Charmin, if you know what I mean. Let me say something about Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy just didn't give away the farm. He gave away the farm, the manor, the city, the state, the country, the planet. He gave away the Alpha Quadrant, the Gamma Quadrant, and half the Mechelonic Cluster. He made so many wheels and deals. And you know what scares me? If he is now beholden to wackadoodles like Yogurt, Gogurt, Bobert, whatever her name is, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, that scares me. That scares me one heck. And you know what's going to happen now. All the fishing expeditions are going to start. Oh, they're going to go crazy. They're going to target. I don't care about Hunter Biden. I do care about his father because I didn't realize that we visit the sins of the son on the father. I thought it was the other way around. And they're going to go after Fauci, an honorable man. Well, let me just, but let me just say, Robert, if if that if that is the case, and I appreciate your calling, calling me saying, um, you know, I'm a pretty small fish in a big pond. Then, but uh, let me just say this: if the Republicans want to do all those investigations, you know, Hunter Ghazi and Fauci Ghazi and these different things, you don't need a strong speaker. You can just have hearings on that. The reason, but getting to your other point, the reason. If you want to get stuff done, what McCarthy has shown is that he's weak and he can't be trusted to deliver his caucus, right? So some people might think that's a good thing. I happen to, even though I am a Democrat and I disagree with him on stuff, if in order for him to negotiate a budget, negotiate an appropriation bill, negotiate an immigration compromise, he needs to be able to speak for his caucus a little bit. And now we know that he can't because the caucus votes on a position – and then the holdouts say, I don't care what the caucus voted. I'm going to go do something else. Um, but I appreciate it. Chris and Beth Page. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Anthony. A um, couple things. First of all, I hope the voters in the districts where Matt Gates and Bobert and Taylor Green all see what's going on. And I hope they pay the price in two years. That's what I hope, first of all. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask for your opinion on that. But I got a couple other things quickly to get to. All right. Uh, the one good thing – now, let me ask you, because obviously you were in Congress in the House. Um, what happens if, like, Joe Biden has another spending bill or whatever? How does that go down? I mean, does that, because let me just tell you something. I'm a libertarian, 
I'm not hard right or hard left. I really am in the middle. Unlike you, I like it a lot, but you definitely lean to the left with a lot of your pronunciations. But anyhow, what I want to see, and I think most Americans want to see, what we all voted for was crime, inflation, and the border. Those are the three things, I think, which most people voted on. And we've seen nothing but a clown show for the last couple of weeks, obviously. And, um, you know, I'm just curious. So if you can answer these two things, do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene and Boebert and Gates will pay the price in two years? And secondly, um, do you yeah. how does it work in the House if Joe Biden brings up another spending bill? Will that be stopped? Yeah. So here's here's the thing. First, the first part, because because Chris, and thank you, Chris, for calling. You always bring a lot of good stuff to the, to the table. Look, ultimately, as Tip O'Neill famously said, all politics is local. And just because you don't like um, uh, 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 Matt Gates, and we have a caller on the board who say that he likes him, we'll, we'll take him next. Oh, and I don't like him. It's not really important. They they speak for their constituent. One of the things I found amazing about the experience of being in, in Congress, as I was from 99 to 2011, is you get to see people from all different parts of the country who bring different viewpoints, who are patriotic, who believe what they believe, and it makes the world go round. Now, Boebert had the closest election in the entire country this year in the general election. So I don't know. Maybe she thinks this is a smart strategy. Maybe Gates thinks it's a smart is a smart strategy. Maybe their districts are so safe. Or maybe, as I frequently talk about on this program, the danger is from the right when you're a Republican and from the left when you're a Democrat. And so if you're moving constantly to those fringes, you're going to keep yourself safe. Maybe they're right about that. But on the substance of Chris's question, first, there's no such thing as the president sending a spending bill. That's not, the Congress that the Constitution says that the House of Representatives and the United States Senate, they have the power of the purse. But if you take the issues and Chris said it up perfectly, what if you're interested in crime, immigration and inflation? Well, we just saw in the, the supplemental bill had a 15 percent increase in border enforcement that was passed by the Senate and the House. The, the spending goes till next September. The reason they did that till next September is they didn't think the House would be able to agree on anything. And there are some bills that you got to get passed. And one of the things they said in this rule change, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, 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 and one of our listeners, Wendy, likes this too. You know, every spending bill should be individually voted on. Well, that's just great. But the problem is that's been the aspiration for decades now. But the problem is any five or six members can jam up an appropriation bill and it's dead. So they all get thrown in at the end and become like a must-pass kind of thing. So if you want to get those three things solved, you better hope that Biden can do something just administratively with an executive order or his own actions because Congress isn't going to be able to agree on it because Kevin McCarthy can't get an agreement even on him, let alone on passing a bill. Next, let's go to Ed on Staten Island. Ed, thank you for holding on. Well, I, I don't think uh, Matt Gates is uh, a bully or a radical. Um I think he's uh, he's he's firm in his district. He's, there's not going to be any uh, political um, uh, backlash for him bucking um, uh, McCarthy, and uh, I think he stood up for his principles. So, what what? But Ed, I appreciate that. But what principle do you think it was? Well, you know, McCarthy is uh, he's for sale. He doesn't represent his district. He represents the lobbyist on K Street. No, I understand. But what's the principle that he was standing up for, that he doesn't like McCarthy? That's the principle? 
Oh, he doesn't like McCarthy. No, I know that, but he had a chance. He voted in caucus. A 90% of his caucus disagreed, said he's our leader. So what was he standing up for? And by the way, Mr. Principal voted for him at the end. What what principle did he stand up for? No, I think he voted present in the end. That's even worse. That's even worse. That's the least courageous vote in the world. If he really does look, I, I mean, I you know when 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 the going got tough, the tough got present. Come on, that's, well, that's the, the way Obama voted. He voted present. I I don't. I think that's right. I think there are members of Congress who sometimes vote present. I think, but it, but you're the one calling me, telling Matt Gates is is principled, and the best you can come up with is he voted when the going got tough. After 14 votes, he voted present on the 15th one. Look, my and I appreciated it because I think you you've you've laid out it correctly. Gates is popular enough in his district to withstand just about anything. If you go to the Internet right now, I'm sure you can find dozens of people saying, oh, Matt Gates is my hero for whatever, because there are an, an, a, a, a good constituency in this country for chaos, who don't believe in the institution, who don't believe in lawmaking, who don't believe in Congress, who d- believe in that kind of chaos. Yes, he is a spokesman for that. But if his principle is, pick a thing, reform of Congress or immigration, or reducing spending, he reduced his own ability to do any of those things going forward because he basically weakened his own speaker, infuriated his colleagues, didn't get the things he said. I mean, the rule changes, let's wait and see if he got any of the rule changes he thinks he got. He went on on Fox News last night and said, I've run out of things to ask for. It's a, It was a game to him. It was a game to him. I don't know. Look, I, I, but I can see the appeal. There are people who call into this show called The Middle and talk about how, yeah, Congress is, you know, good. I'm glad they're, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad they're not getting anything done. And maybe that's what he's trying to do. But I got to tell you, there are, if I were he, I mean, you, you had a chance to use your leverage to get some stuff that might actually help. And I don't know. What exactly, what exactly that is. If he wanted to be on the rules committee, he could be. He didn't ask for that. Um, next let's go to, uh, da, 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 let's go to, oh, Chris, Chris, Chris in the cats goes, Chris, you said earlier Robert's rules of order, right? That's not what's, what's in play yeah, here. Sir. Yeah. How come <laughs> no, you didn't, I, did, I was I, expecting you get on. I'm like, all right. By the way, I had my son in the car coming back from hockey this morning. And I said, I said, you know, he heard the question and he heard the, the, the interview with that guy. Um, and, and then I said, I said to him, I said, you know, Chris is going to defend me here and you get on defend me. said, I was good on substance, but what about all the other stuff? Anyway, thank you, pal. Anyway, why are you calling today? Oh, Hey, I'm just uh, Kevin McCarthy. Look, he he doesn't strike me as a likable guy, but people of that nature, that personality type seem to rise in politics. He has a lot of ambition. I guess I'll take Bo Snuggly's word for it, that he understands Robert's rules and rules of procedure. I'm just leaving. I'm at right now in my town. Uh, Marie Sinchi, your old colleague, his daughter just got sworn in for her second term in the state Senate. A lot of big players here. Charles Schumer, Antonio Delgado, uh, Stuart Cousins. Uh, so if she, uh, if she decides to run against my congressman, Mark Molinaro, uh, Mark Molinaro was there. I saw him while she was speaking. He looked kind of nervous. Well, let me let me just say, and I appreciate your calling, Kristen, and, and you, you made a, an observation on the top I want to pick up on, this idea that he's likable and that kind of person tends to rise in politics. Yes and no. The people that become really effective leaders are people that understand what makes members tick, understand their needs, and understands how to, at times, 
be cutthroat. You know, LBJ was not a warm and cuddly guy, Linda Bates Johnson. Chuck Schumer knows each and every one of his colleagues, knows what they need, knows what they want. But I can tell you as someone who worked for him, he knows when to be tough. Guys like Tom the Hammer DeLay, I don't know if that name means anything to you. You know, Nancy Pelosi, you know, Nancy Pelosi would never say do this or do that or else because no speaker has that much leverage. It's not like the state legislature. We can take away your desk, take away your budget and whatnot. Not that much leverage. Inside what committee you're on, that's nice. But you've got to have this combination of street smarts, legislative smarts, and just plain old smarts. And Kevin Kevin McCarthy is a nice guy. He is, and I said this last week on my prediction show, he is not a tactical guy. He's not a big thinker guy. He's not, he doesn't play the long con at all. His idea of playing the long con was after January 6th, criticizing the president, and then weeks later going down to suck up to him because he thought that would be to get him to to the speakership. And at the end of the day, you know, he, he needed to be, he needed to have to figure out another way. Look, I, I, I know Kevin McCarthy a little bit. He's a nice enough guy. He's a guy I ne- never had a crossword with him. I always made it a point to get to know the rising le- leaders in, in the other party. He was coming up about the same time I was. Nice enough guy. But sometimes you need more than just nice. That's my slogan, by the way. More than just nice, Anthony Weiner. Here on The Middle. We're here till 4 o'clock. Then Curtis Lee comes in for left versus right. Great having you along, and we'll see you on the other side. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We're here till 3 o'clock and then Curtis Lewa comes in. Uh, immediately after this, it's available as a podcast. You can always stream it on WBCRadio.com. And let's get a few more calls in, 800-848-9222. Uh, first, let's go to John and Edison. John, thank you for calling today. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Anthony. Uh, I want to make a couple of comments about last night's um, House vote. Um, number one, I think that the initial 20 that ultimately dwindled down to six, I think they uh, – uh, their their process, their their concepts uh, resonate with a fair number of Americans. Um, you know, people people made fun of the the disorganization of the Republican Party. There was there was a there was a nice faction or a decent faction of Americans who agree with a lot of what those twenty, ultimately the six, were saying. Um, you know, uh, so I think this is going to make the Republicans stronger, not weaker. Uh, secondly, you, you, you talked about in the beginning of your show, you know, they're not, they, they don't want to get things done. They can't get things done. Anything that the conservatives want to pass, let's say the, all 220 Republicans 
want to pass some. It's never getting past the Senate. And it's never going to get signed by Biden. So their job is not to legislate as a practical matter for the next two years. Their their job, I hope, is to block um, further things that they think are destructive for the country. Um, secondly, I, I think your your criticism of, of them is, you know, uh, not respecting the institution or wanting to burn the place down. I don't think that's a fair comment for exactly the reason I just expressed. Well, but wait a minute, John, but it sounds to me and and, and you've some you've summed up their case pretty well. If you say that they're not there to legislate, that they're just there to stop bad stuff from happening, you can't then go on to say they don't want to they don't want to to do harm to the institution because it's an institution of legislation. I mean, here's all the time. Sometimes it's an institution of blocking things that they perceive as harmful. I understand. But but why is it harmful? But but here's the thing. I mean, this is the nub of it, John. Are they more or less able to stop those things with a weak speaker? More. Well, I don't think it makes a difference. Well, it does, because, though. It does. I, I'll tell you why it would make a difference. If you go into into a knife fight with Hakeem Jeffries or with Chuck Schumer and you say, don't do that or I'm going to I or I, I'm going to stop that from happening unless you do A, B or C. And Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries knows that's baloney. You can't you don't even have enough votes to speak for your caucus. Having a weak speaker does weakening your speaker doesn't mean you get better rules. Weakening your speaker doesn't mean that you can do better hearings. Weakening your speaker doesn't mean that you can pass legislation or stop legislation any better. It means less of all of those things. And in terms of the pack, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. If but 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 here's my point: the Republicans have a very narrow majority to begin with. Okay, so even if, for the sake of argument, all 222 voted. On a particular issue, um, uh, you know, they don't have a great majority to begin with. So uh, I, I'm, I just want to make one more point. Sure, I know go ahead. Have all day. No, go ahead. Um, there's, there's a, you know, the things that the um, uh, holdouts, if you will, were able to achieve um, single subject bills that can't be loaded with, with irrelevant nonsense, um, a border plan, a budget that stops an increase in the debt ceiling and holds the Senate accountable. Ending emergency funding and all COVID mandates and funding. 72 hours. To no, but John, John, you're reading things that are going to go into a rules package that they're going to vote on next. The only issue here is not whether they are going to advocate for changes in the institution. The, the question is, is one of the changes that they think helps them is to, is to, is to gut and disembowel their own speaker. There, there are changes every year. To the rules. There's a whole rules package that Democrats and when they control the House, we do Republicans. They do everything from soup to nuts. I described a little bit of it at the beginning from from what bills come to the floor, uh, who's on what committees, all these different things. I'm not saying don't advocate for those things. I'm not saying don't even fight for them really hard. I'm just saying that that you don't it's not an either or thing. It's not you fight. You hold up. You weaken your own speaker to get those things um, by the way, they've got zero of those things because <laughs> they have to be included in a rules package that now all their moderates are furious about and might vote with the Republic, the Democrats to stop it. I saw at least one guy, a guy named Gonzalez, who I never heard of, a Republican, say he's no on the rules package if the conservatives get all, get these things they want. I'm just saying, why gut your speaker? Why? Why do that? There's a process. If there's a reason this happened, ha- hasn't happened for a hundred something years. 
is that because there have always been members that wanted rules changes, always been members who wanted single-issue bills. Oh, that's just great. Everyone wants a single-issue bill. No one wants an omnibus. Who do you think wants that? That has happened as a, as a function of the, of the, the way the Congress is too easy for someone to defeat single-issue bills so they never get passed. Why is it we don't have a, 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 the, um, you know, there are 12 different appropriation bills. Why have none of them been passed in Democratic, Republican, not none of them, but virtually none of them have been passed in the last, not just two years or five years or six years, but in the last 15 years. And that is because people like Matt Gates have figured out that with a handful of votes or, or some poison pill thing, they can, they can stop any of them from happening. So you want these rules, that's fine. The spe- you get you 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 go to your own caucus and vote for them. You think Matt Gates is more influential now because he he wanted those things? You don't think there's twenty or five or thirty or forty Republicans who are furious at these guys who are going to say to heck with you? I'm going to vote no on these agreements that that um, McCarthy came up with. I just think it's if you and and by the way and I and I and I think that the caller w- w- was dead on about something. Yes. There's going to be a lot that the legislature, the Republicans can do that's not legislating. I don't dispute that. And good for them. To, for that purpose, it almost doesn't matter who the speaker is. Anyone can go out and have a hearing. Jim Jordan can go have hearings until he's blue in the face. The Hunter Ghazi, whatever it is, go crazy. But if you need to get some stuff done and you want to improve things through the law, if you believe in immigration needs to be improved, that's your job. You're less able to do it with a weak speaker. Now, as a partisan Democrat who just wants, you know, the Democrats to, to hold the White House in two years and to win back the House and Senate. Yeah, this is not bad for us, not bad for our team. But as someone who b- believes in fundamentally in the in the fidelity of the like people legislating, getting together, making compromise, they've made it harder to do. Much harder to do for their own team. And if you're in the Senate and you're Chuck Schumer. And Kevin McCarthy says, there's no way my caucus is going to vote for that. Why, why are you just that? Dude, you couldn't even get votes for you. <laughs> I don't believe you can round up votes for some obscure legislation that's controversial. If he says, if you give me this, I'll give you that. What does Chuck Schumer, what does Mitch McConnell say? What does Joe Biden say? He says, you're weak, man. You can't deliver this stuff. You've got, you've got 20 yahoos who are going to turn on you at any minute. And by the way, that's the one thing that we didn't talk about at all today. What this guy promised, what McCarthy promised in order to get his job is basically the same thing that brought down Ryan, the same thing that brought down Boehner. And that is giving individual members the right to whenever they want have a flash election that all the Republicans vote against their speaker and we're right back to this very same spot. You think that's good for the party, good for the country to go through this every few months? But look, kind of like the bus, the dog that chases the bus, McCarthy caught the bus. I, I wish him well, and I wish all of you well. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Middle. This has been a fun conversation coming up at the top of the hour. Left versus right with Curtis Sliwa. He is loaded for bear. You don't want to miss this show. I really appreciate your being with me. This is a great way to start the year. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll see you on the other side.